This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons 3 to 7 on Sports Hub Triad. It is a Thursday drive, and it's about time somebody comes to the defense of Christian McCaffrey. Because everywhere I turn, he's just getting crushed by everybody in football. It reminds me of something our friend Darren Gant, who's a terrific football writer, uh, coined. He coined an expression a few years ago that I joked with him a handful of times he needed to make shirts out of. I tried to get him to pass it along to me so I could make the shirts, but we never got that far in the conversation. I thought these shirts would sell. He once said, Cam Newton makes people stupid. And I love that because Cam is a different type of player. We don't do well with different, or a lot of us don't do uh, well with different. We don't embrace it. We try to explain away why the way it's always been is better than something that looks different. And Cam was just a special, unique type of player. He still is, and he was with Carolina and I think history is going to bear out that he was the most important Carolina Panther to ever come through here. But that didn't stop people from hating him and him being one of the more polarizing players we've seen in the sport. I think some of that's happening with Christian McCaffrey. He's not polarizing, but Christian McCaffrey's making people stupid right now. Hashtag print the shirts. Great players aren't immune from this craziness either. Richard Sherman has a podcast with Chris Collinsworth where earlier this week he stirred things up when he said this. You know, as a defense preparing for Christian McCaffrey versus preparing for an offense that doesn't have him, it, I would say it's, it's a bit more difficult, not because Christian McCaffrey isn't the great dynamic player he is, but it's because it's predictable. You know where the ball is going, whether he lines up here. He, you know, even when they use him as a decoy, it's almost predictable because you can say, hey, he's the decoy, ball has to go here now. Um, when he's not there, then it's then it's less predictable. Then I think, you open it up for for Teddy Bridgewater to be more dynamic. You don't you don't say, "Hey Teddy, look for Christian, get him the ball." You say, "Teddy, get us the first down." Here's why that argument doesn't make a lot of sense to me. The Panthers are more predictable when Christian McCaffrey's out there. Football isn't about tricking people. Lincoln Riley told me that a long time ago preparing for a Bud Foster defense in Virginia Tech. I asked what I thought was a good question. Hey, are there, are there things that you have to have up your sleeve to trick Bud Foster? And he laughed at me and he said, that's not how things work in football. It's about us doing what we do well better than what they do well. And they're smart enough to know what we're going to try and do. I think about Tony Romo who we marvel at in the booth when he predicts a play right before it's about to happen. We view it like he's doing magic tricks. Hey, I know what's about to happen. If you sit and watch a football, if you sit watching a game with somebody who played in the league, they'll tell you that's not that crazy. They could probably do the same exact thing. Oh, they're in this formation. They're lining up this way. Oh, it's going to be a run to the left. This is going to be a throw to the flat. This is a matchup that they're looking for. It's a common thing. Tony Romo, a lot of you would be mad if I suggested he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. You think he knows 
what's going to happen, and the guys on the defensive side of the ball who are actually getting paid to get the stops don't know these things? Of course they do. It's not about tricking people. It's about executing what you do better than what the other side does. Richard Sherman played Christian McCaffrey a grand total of one time, and it was last year. San Francisco won the game because they were a better team. Cam was hurt. It was Kyle Allen. San Francisco was the best team, I'd argue, in the NFL. They go to the Super Bowl. They probably should have won the game. They're up multiple possessions in the fourth quarter. You know the, the entire story, probably. Carolina and their predictable running back, Christian McCaffrey, had 150 yards in Santa Clara. Christian was over eight yards a rush, 150 yards against the San Francisco defense with Richard Sherman. Football isn't about tricking people. Here's the second piece this doesn't make much sense to me. The Panthers' offense was humming, right, when Christian was in the lineup. Like, I'm not misremembering this, am I? Carolina scored 30 points against the Raiders in the opener. Christian was in that game. In fact, the common complaint Panther fans had when they were already jumping ship on Joe Brady and Matt Rule, he didn't get the ball enough. He should have got the ball on fourth and inches or fourth and one instead of Alex Armagh. McCaffrey was great in that game. Probably the best player on the field. Against Tampa Bay. Got in the end zone as well. In fact, the first two weeks, he had all the red zone touchdowns Carolina had. All of them. He didn't play in the fourth quarter. They lost that game, and the reason they didn't score a ton in that game, it was due to turnovers. That's not Christian McCaffrey's fault. That's breakdown and protection. That's bad decisions on Teddy Bridgewater's part. One of the few times he's made bad decisions. So when McCaffrey's in there, this offense is rolling. When he's not, it's showing the greatness of Joe Brady to recreate what McCaffrey does by committee, mostly with Mike Davis. But we saw to a degree it wasn't just Davis last week, Curtis Samuel having to get a big third down run, putting him in motion and using him the way they would use Christian. Here's a simple way to justify the contract because this is the other piece of people being made crazy by McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey making people stupid. Talking about the contract. Oh, Le'Veon Bell got cut. Todd Gurley got banged up. Zeke Elliott isn't as good this year as he was in years past when he got the contract. It's only going to be a disaster for Carolina. McCaffrey with the high ankle sprain. He's out the last few weeks. Carolina made a massive mistake. Running back isn't worth all that. You've heard probably these arguments a time or two. Here's the most simple way to justify the contract. McCaffrey is a rare talent. Not unique, but a rare talent. And you want to acquire as many rare talents as you can in this league. The biggest trick the devil ever did on football fans, is convince them that football is a very complex thing. That it's incredibly sophisticated and you just can't understand it. You need all these numbers and analytics, football, you know, pro football focus. You need 
everybody to break down every snap, and you can break it down with numbers. I think football, a big part of it, is trying to bring in as many good players as you possibly can. And odds are, if you could do it on the cheap, you'll be in good shape like the Patriots did in bringing in Cam Newton. A simple way to justify it, Christian McCaffrey is a rare talent. We've seen some forms of Zeke Elliott in the past. Todd Gurley, even. Le'Veon Bell. McCaffrey's a rare breed for multiple reasons. A 1,000 rushing yards, a 1,000 receiving yards. Something that Roger Craig and Marshall Falk have done and nobody else. <laughs> oh, and Christian McCaffrey, of course. That's rare. Another rare thing. He hasn't been hurt. This high ankle sprain, we heard from Dr. David Geyer. It's not something that's going to linger. That's the good news for Carolina. It's bad for the short term because he's not on the field, but long term, eh, this isn't something he's going to be worrying about. It's going to be a blip on a radar screen. He hasn't missed an NFL game his first three years. 16 games in 17, 16 games in 18, 16 games in 19. That's more sets. That's just as many sets of 16 game seasons as Zeke, Gurley, and Bell have combined. And all of them have been around a lot longer than Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey takes care of his body. He's forward thinking. He was the first guy among prominent players to say, I'm not going to play in a non-college football playoff bowl game because I don't want to jeopardize my draft stock. He was ridiculed for it, but it speaks to him taking care of his body. We learned that the high ankle sprain he had, it's the first injury he's had that's forced him to miss games since he was in high school. He's a special player. Carolina, they're going to try and win sooner rather than later. They'll tell you they're trying to make a playoff Spot this year, try to get one this year, but next year, Tom Brady's going to be 44, Drew Brees is going to be 42, Matt Ryan's going to be 36 with a new head coach, who knows if he's even going to be in Atlanta, they might be completely rebooting things like Carolina just did, they might be in a position to try and win right now, and if you're trying to win right now, McCaffrey's a guy you want on your team, plain and simple. Christian McCaffrey makes a lot of people stupid, do not join that list. You could tweet us at SportsUpTriad, 336-777-1600 is the phone number. Nick Saban is apparently doing well, according to Bruce Feldman, still asymptomatic today. We don't know if he tested positive again today. There's this long-shot scenario where Saban could test negative today, negative tomorrow, and negative Saturday morning and still be on the sideline with his Alabama team. It is a long shot, but that is SEC po uh, protocol that if you have a positive test, you got to have three consecutive negative tests before you can get around the team again. I struggle to believe Nick Saban's not going to get involved some way, somehow with Georgia in town on Saturday afternoon. That's just my feeling. Robert, what's the best idea you've heard? I think throw him in the booger mobile, <laughs> maybe put him in the press box like Hugh Freeze did last year. Like in a hospital bed, giving Dino Babers a thumbs up. You could like put him in a Pope mobile too, which is like completely con like sealed. Nothing can get in or out. And I feel like he would still be able to be on the sideline like that. A car on the sideline? Well, I mean, it, it's a it's not really a car. It's kind of like a golf cart 
almost. Ah. And okay. It's just like a little Pope mobile. But for him, I guess it could be the Tide mobile or whatever they want to do. I think he's going to have an imprint on this game. I expect Alabama to win, though, regardless if Saban's on the sideline. I get Georgia's the third-ranked team in the country. I just think Alabama's better. Unlike the NFL, where when you walk into the building, it is all X's and O's. It's all about football and nothing else for the players and the coaches. It's a profession, and that's the focus. College football coaches have more responsibility. The three major responsibilities of a major Division I college football coach you have the X's and O's. You have raising money, fundraising, dealing with donors, and you have recruiting. You don't have to really wor- worry about recruiting in the NFL. You have a general manager that'll bring in talent to your roster. Recruiting is half the battle, I felt, with college coaching. And that hay's already in the barn. The talent is already on the field. Bama is better than Georgia. Stetson Bennett is going to go into Tallahassee, not Tallahassee, into Tuscaloosa and beat the Tide? I don't think so. Alabama's motivation won't be lacking either. They allowed 48 points to Ole Miss, an unranked team last year. You don't think the coaches have been ripping into them about that? That defense is going to be on point. Alabama is going to give Georgia their A game. They're going to be playing for their coach if he's not on the sideline. That's important. Game day's in town. Number three team in the country's in town. So they're going to be motivated. They're going to be ready to go. And I think they're going to be firing on all cylinders because the guy who's set to be in Saban's place is Steve Sarkeesian. And this could be Sark's moment of redemption. He's led major programs before. Winning record at USC. Winning record at Washington. 11 games over 500 as a head coach in the Power Five. But he's had his demons, too. His problems with alcoholism, which took him out of the spotlight and very shocking, took shocking turns the way that played out. He filled in as the OC for Lane Kiffin when Lane got the FAU job and left after the first college football playoff game in 2017. Then he became the Falcons' offensive coordinator. That didn't really work out, so he's back in Tallahassee. I did it again. Tuscaloosa. We'll take it out in post. No big deal. Florida State might be looking for a new head coach if Mike Norvell doesn't get this thing done. Maybe you give uh, Steve Sarkeesian a call. I think if he wins this game, quite simply, he will be a big-time head coach again. I think he's going to get a big-time head coaching job if he wins this game. And I expect him to. He has more talent on Saturday. So I like... Alabama to beat Georgia, even if Nick Saban is not on the sideline Saturday afternoon. You are listening to WSGS Winston-Salem, WCOG Greensboro, WPCM Burlington, WMFR High Point. Those signals make up Sports Hub Triad. It's easy to mix up those two. Tallahassee, Tuscaloosa. They both start with T. I don't think Florida State is crimson. I think it's more of a maroon than it is crimson, but you get the idea. And now, and, now, and now, on with the show. Showtime. You're on the drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. You know, you were the best shooter ever. 
in the ACC, the best shooter, and you know one of the all-time great players, not just at Duke but in our conference. That was Coach K on JJ Reddick's podcast, the podcast titled "The Old Man and the Three, JJ Reddick and Tommy Alter. Really enjoyed listening to that, and I started thinking. Is Coach K saying that because JJ's one of his guys? Maybe. But then I started thinking, I know JJ is the all-time leading three-point shooter by a good margin in ACC history. Who else is even in that conversation among the best three-point shooters? I'll just call them shooters that we've ever seen in this conference. Because... The only guys that come to mind for me, Jay Williams, he probably would have gotten close to J.J. if he played his last year at Duke. Kyle Guy, who I think, looking at the rankings today, was in the top 30, playing just three years at Virginia, won a national title, really strong ACC that he played in, and he was just an excellent shooter if he had one more year he might be considered in that same class as J.J. Dennis Scott way back when with Georgia Tech, I think only played three years. Randolph Childress. And I'm getting a number of Virginia guys in my mentions right now. UVA fans coming in strong with Mark Price. I think that's a really strong uh, submission. Uh, but we'll take some more of those. On Twitter at Sports of Dry, Josh Graham Radio on Twitter if you want to chime in that way. 336-777-1600, the number as well. Second on the list, all-time threes, is actually a Cavalier. Curtis Staples played from 95 to 98. He was on that 95 Virginia team with Corey Alexander, just some other dudes who were awesome at that time. But the reason no one talked about that Elite Eight UVA team, or no one remembers them as much now, is because none of those guys had big-time success in the NBA, one. And two, that team that went to the Elite Eight finished fourth in the ACC. And this isn't 14-15 team ACC at that point. This is nine-team ACC in 1995. The teams that finished ahead of them, you got North Carolina with Jerry Stackhouse and Rasheed Wallace. And you also have that Wake Forest team with Randolph Childress and Timmy Duncan that ended up winning the ACC that year. 25 years since Wake Forest won the ACC title in 1995. So Curtis Staples, I'll accept that as a submission. But we'll take another one from Chris in Greensboro really quickly. Chris, who are you adding to the list? If you're talking about guys who are in the discussion. J.J., I can't disagree with Coach K. I can't remember anybody better than J.J. was as a three-point shooter. Who would you throw into the mix? He was definitely one of you know, the greatest, but uh, the greatest scoring leader. But you got to go back a little bit to Rodney Monroe. Ah, uh, NC State. I think he's from Baltimore. I'm a, I'm, I was born in Baltimore. Rodney Monroe is a really good answer. Sweet stroke. Yeah, thanks for the call, Chris. Appreciate that. NC State fans having their voices heard in this. We suck. It's difficult when you go to the time where there wasn't a three-point line. When you go back to the point where no one's taking threes. 
If we're talking pure shooters, Michael Jordan, a pretty damn good shooter. Derek Wittenberg, strong shooter. So it gets difficult when you go back that far, but I think JJ's the right answer. I also found it interesting that Coach K, since there was no March Madness this year, and they weren't even to, able to finish the ACC tournament in Greensboro, the weekend of the Final Four had meetings with this team. Of course, virtually. He called every single player via FaceTime. He said he spent most of his day doing this on the Saturday that the Final Four was supposed to be held in Atlanta, and he told each player to imagine they were in Atlanta right now getting set for the Final Four. Imagine that you're there and what it's like to have 75,000 people watching you at one point. And then the Monday that the national title game was supposed to happen, he scheduled a meeting, a Zoom call, at 8.45 that night. The championship game generally tips off around 9.15, 9.20. So Coach K specifically wanted it to be at 8.45 at night that everybody joined this meeting on Zoom. The players log in. They're probably wearing casual clothes and such. Then Coach K pops up, and he's wearing a full suit and tie. And his reasoning was he wanted his players to get the pregame speech they didn't get an opportunity to get in March. And he started describing a fake NCAA tournament field where they advanced easily through the first weekend and struggled in the Sweet 16, were impressive in the Elite Eight, got to the Final Four, and won in the semifinal by 25 points. I don't know if that would happen with a young team like Duke, but not the point. He wanted to give them the pregame speech. And then later that night, every player was sent a text that had Duke highlights as if they won the national title with one shining moment playing in the background. Thought that's a pretty cool thing that Coach K did there. Easy to make fun of, but I'm not going to do it because I think that's a really neat thing. On Twitter at SportsUpTried if you want to chime in on today's show. I want to shift things to the Carolina Panthers because... They lost an irreplaceable player yesterday. KK Short, he's out for the remainder of the year. Second straight year, he has a shoulder surgery that forces him out. KK, I think it's the other shoulder. It's not the same shoulder that's being operated on this year. But he's 31 years old. Only three other Panthers are 30 and up among starters on offense and defense. So I believe this is the end of the line for KK. You look at this contract, Robert. I see he's due to make $12 million next year. The Panthers can let him go and save $9.5 million off the cap, but it's going to cost him $11 million in dead money. You think he's ever playing again for Carolina? I wouldn't count it out, but when you're saving that kind of money despite the dead money on a young team where they could potentially be vying for a playoff spot next year and they want to be competitive, they might want to spend that money elsewhere. He's going to be 32 coming off back-to-back season-ending shoulder injuries. I think he's done with the Panthers. And, oh, yeah, he hasn't lived up to the contract he was given. I think $80 million, Dave Gettleman, making him one of the five highest-paid defensive tackles. He has 32-and-a-half career sacks, Robert. 32-and-a-half. He got 24 of those from 2013 to 2017, and since he signed that big deal, 2017 through 2020, he's only amassed eight. 
Sucks missing for like, what, 14 games last year? Yeah, he missed 14 last year, and now he's going to miss the rest of this season. Here's where it's going to hurt Carolina. I think it's going to cost them multiple games this year. That's how valuable he is. You will see it with the run defense. Last weekend, they allowed 166 rushing yards to Atlanta. Still won the game, but the rush defense looked awful familiar from a year ago. KK missed 14 games. Carolina, which built its reputation on defense. Ron Rivera, a defensive coach, stopping the run. That's what he's been about, and that's what he won with. They were 29th against the run a year ago. Is it a coincidence? KK's out of the lineup and you're 29th against the run? I don't think so. All the attention was paid to Cam Newton because he absorbs all the oxygen out of the room when he's on your team. But KK missed just as many games, and I think he was the next most valuable guy and almost just as responsible for Carolina having as bad of a year as they had his absence. Phil Snow was even talking about this. I asked him about the value of KK earlier today and the specific area that his absence is going to hurt them most considering a lot of what KK does, players like him on the interior defensive line, the dirty work doesn't appear in the stat sheet. And this is what Coach Snow said. Well, one is leadership, especially in that room, because we have a lot of young defensive linemen. So that that that's one huge deal. But, you know, KK will be around, so he'll help with that. But, um, you know, anytime you lose somebody who's played as much football and been an all-pro, and they do so many different things for you. Um, like, I'll, I'll give you an example. Just on third down calling games, you know, you um, when you're in a four-man rush, you have pass rush games, and it's based on where the back is and where the center's going. And, and you know, you, you, you love a vet that really understands all that and gets you in the right game. So, I mean, there's a lot of things KK has done and can do for you, but that's just an example. That was Phil Snow earlier today. Quite simply, you can't replace special size on the D-line. What special size? D-tackles that can rush the passer and also jam up the run. You don't find that often. You can't recreate that by committee. With Russell Okun, when he's out, rotate two tackles on the, on the left side, have a running back that can chip, roll away from that tackle, you can adjust. Christian McCaffrey being out. Okay, here's Curtis Samuel out of the backfield. Mike Davis will get him more involved. Great scheming by Joe Brady. I have great wide receivers. Run more crossers. With KK out, what do you do? Is Bravion Roy going to fill that role? Zach Kerr? I don't think so. Put that COVID-killing robot out there. Yeah, David Tepper buying two of those for 250 grand. Robert's still scared of that. I'm serious. that He could fit two positions on the defensive line. You wouldn't even have to worry about cheaper option too. For sure. Way <laughs> it is definitely yeah. cheaper. League minimum. Teddy and KK, I think they're the two most valuable guys on the Panthers. I do. So with him being out, KK, that's gonna hurt them. It might even cost them a shot at potentially being a playoff team. It's asking way too much of Derek Brown. Not a lot of depth there. He's young, he's still inconsistent. I like a lot from what I've seen of Derek Brown, but this is a Really tough loss for Carolina. So in baseball tonight, I think just underway, game five between the Astros and the Rays, the Rays looking to close things out after failing to complete the sweep last night. But all eyes are going to be on the Dodgers and Braves tonight. 808, Clayton Kershaw on the mound. 
Is it his big biggest start of his long lauded career? I think so. But we'll also get Darren Vott's thoughts on that and do some comparing with Darren. Next. Providing you with the latest sports news, commentary, and analysis. Plus tips on how to cheat at bingo. Oh, 69. Bingo! You're on the drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. Is Dave Clawson producing today's show? It's conditioned into me now. Every time I hear the talking heads, I think of Coach Clawson because of how big a fan he is of this band. Darren Vaught's with us now. I'm sure he appreciates the good bump as well and the baseball. We'll get to comparing with Darren in just a bit, but tonight, actually right now, we have ALCS baseball going on. The Dodgers will have to wait until 8 o'clock before they try to tie up the series with Atlanta. Houston's up one to nothing in the top of the second against Tampa, looking to stave off elimination for a second straight day. The Dodger game will have primary focus across the country, I think, though, because the Dodgers, they're the team that generally chokes. They have the pitcher that's been known to choke, considering he's one of the best left-handers we've ever seen in the regular season, 277 or make it a 2.43 career ERA, 4.23 postseason ERA, and Clayton Kershaw. If Clayton loses tonight, they're down three to one, and it looks like the series is going to be over against Atlanta. So I ask you this, Darren Vaught, from the USA Baseball podcast covering the bases. I think it's Clayton's biggest start of his career. Do you agree? Yeah. Well, I mean, until uh, until. One of these loaded Dodger teams that is expected to compete for and win a World Series championship does so, every postseason start from here on out becomes the biggest start of his career. And you talked about his his tendency to, to blow it in these big games. Uh, when he's not been right lately, it's been because of back spasms, which is what got him scratched from the game to start. So, no, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, there is there is a lot on the line in this one. And your offense just put up 15 runs in, in their last game. So, you know, theoretically, you should be in a good spot to just not you – don't, you don't need to be lights out. Just be good. Just be good. If the offense is back, they're going to hit, and that should get you a win to tie up this series and, and put you in complete control for the Dodgers. I like the Dodgers to win tonight. I think the bats really started coming on, not yesterday, but two days ago when they scored the three in the ninth and they had a chance of you know, tying the game. I thought they were going to at one point, and uh, I, I thought that transitioned or uh, translated to tomorrow or yesterday, I should say. Getting my days mixed up here. 11 runs in the first inning. It's rare that you ever hear someone say that's the first time in Major League Baseball history that this happened. But yesterday, 11-run first inning, we haven't seen that in the Major League Baseball playoffs. And it was a remarkable deal. I think the bats are going to do just enough. Clayton Kershaw is going to find a way to win because kind of like Dodger fans expecting the worst, Brave fans are kind of in a similar boat too. Well, and <laughs> well, I, how, about, how about they give up 11 runs in the first inning yesterday, Josh? 
That's coming a year after they gave up 10 runs in the first inning against the Cardinals in a playoff game. So, so both fan bases are terrified. Yep. And I yeah. expect the Dodgers to win. And if, if they win, I think I think whoever loses is going to have their spirit broken tonight. I think if the Dodgers win tonight, they're going to roll and win this in six. That's the way I feel. And if the Dodgers lose tonight, it's over in five. Yeah, I, I could see this going down to the wire, but but there's a lot to be said for the importance of tonight's game as an indicator, um, just because the Dodgers, with a win, carry so much momentum. I mean, they're down a game right now, and it could still be argued that they're in control. Let's get to comparing with Darren, Robert. I'm going to let you take the wheel. Every week we do comparing with Darren. You can follow Darren on Twitter at Darren Vaught. And I've got a new kind of comparing, Darren. We're going to get to that, but first I'm going to put the heat on Josh. Josh, I'd like you to compare these two things. LeBron coming home to Bronny. I would like you to compare that to Ferris Bueller running back to his home at the end of the movie to beat his parents. Beat his parents, huh? I think you see what I'm looking for. Oh, yeah. I think Ferris Bueller was racing to beat his parents home. LeBron is racing home to beat Bronny. There you go. <laughs> you hit the nail right on the head. That's I, right. I really enjoyed all these Bronny memes. Were you the- were you punished severely? Maybe not severely. What was your parents' way of punishment when you grew up? I didn't get caught for a lot of the things I did wrong, but the one thing I did get caught for was sneaking out to go to a girl's house. My mom, when I got home, I snuck back into the home, which I, I thought was would be asleep still. Uh, everything was out of my room besides my mattress. It was just a mattress on the floor, and that was it. She moved all the furniture, all the in my childhood room, all the trophies, all the, t- the TV, the video games. Everything was removed. Why did she do that? Because I snuck out of the house. Okay. So she's like, "All right, I don't understand you, you that punishment." Yeah, I don't get it either. Yeah, you have to. You have nothing. Yeah, you just have to stay in your room. You wanted to leave the house so bad. Now you have to stay in the room. Where did they nothing. put the furniture? I. That's a great question. It was not in my room anymore. I guess it was in the garage. That seems laborious. Yeah, it really does. I, my mom is. If if you try to sneak around on her, she will sneak around on you. I've told this story before. My mom and dad had a thing called Mr. Stick that sat that sat and it had a frowny face on it. It said Mr. Stick and it had a frowny face on it. Piece of wood that you could easily wield and I had to go get it when I got in trouble and they'd hit me right on the butt. There you go. My mom didn't have a name for her stick. She would just make me go pick one. But anyway, speaking of Bronny, I don't want to get sidetracked. Darren, the new way of comparing things. I'm going to give you a list of items, and I would like you to tell me what they have in common. Simple enough, right? Okay. So on the topic of Bronny, I would like you to to compare these three things. LeBron James' son, Bronny, flights during a thunderstorm, and an outdoor electric wire. What do all three of those things have in common? Hold on, Bronny. You got it. Light during a thunderstorm. Uh huh. And what was the third one? The an outdoor electric wire. <laughs> They're all getting grounded. Correct. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Darren gets it. That's pretty good. Darren gets it. That's okay. pretty like good. That. Okay, we're Robert. we're gonna go rapid fire here. So I got two for Josh, two for you. I'm gonna stick with Josh on these. Josh. I would like you to compare Le'Veon Bell potentially signing with the Chiefs to buying a Peloton. 
That is the rumor out there, right? Uh, he's lowered it down to the Dolphins and the Chiefs are his final two suitors. I guess it sounds good in theory. Hey, Le'Veon Bell can help your football team if you're the Chiefs. But are you actually going to use him? Oh, you guys are on today. Like the Peloton? It sounds good in theory. Yeah, this is good for me. But am I actually going to use this thing? Correct. It's going to end up uh, holding clothes at my house. It's going to end up yeah, like... Right. You're just going to drape clean laundry. <laughs> yes. Oh, is this shirt clean? Uh, check the Peloton. I hate folding up laundry. It, it is my the least bane favorite thing. of my existence. Uh, Josh, your final one. I'd like Ooh. you to compare trick-or-treating this year to a high school reunion. Well, I don't think anybody's going to be in attendance... For one, I think attendance is probably going to be low, lower than you think. And I'm not dressing up for either. Correct. Correct. I might not show up for either. I'm not out there just to flex on your new dentistry position, Emery. What are you doing for Halloween? Uh, nothing. I will be at the house with my lights off and eating all my free candy. You don't want to hang out with me and Sarah Bradford? We might do something. What What are you guys thinking about doing? Hanging out at her house. Our house. He said hanging out. Yeah, I I don't know. I might have to take a rain check on that one. But Darren, I'm coming to you quick with these two. Same style as All the right. first one, but it's nothing you can't handle. Uh, I would like you to compare these three things. Uh, Josh Norman, Salad, and Bobby Cox. I think I know the answer to this. Really good at getting tossed. Oh! Yes, Darren. Dude, Darren, you are so good at this. All right, final one. I think this is... Probably a simpler one, but my favorite one out of all of them. Who's this going towards? Uh, this is Sedarin. This okay. is his final one. Uh, I would like all you right. to compare these three things. Pa the Patriots, my girlfriend in college, and me playing Monopoly. <laughs> the Patriots, your girlfriend in college, and you playing Monopoly. Correct. You have those things in a correct order. I wanted to say something involving Monopoly taking forever, but something tells me that it was like quite the opposite with your girlfriend. Uh, do you, would you like me to tell you what I was looking for? Yeah, what are you going for here? Uh, all things that are good at cheating. Oh. Uh. <laughs> wow. That one goes to you, Cassie. Whoa! Why are we using real names here? She doesn't listen to sports radio. Wow! If you didn't, if you didn't want to be called out on the radio, maybe she's a should, nice lady. She shouldn't have cheated. We were playing bingo. It's a I mean, time in a young woman's life, Robert. <laughs> All right, Darren Vaught, get out of here. Oh, right. oh, 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 oh! Solve the riddle. Did you interview Derek Jeter? No, 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 no. So that was the the, the I guess the point of the photo. So I, I tweeted a photo you're you're alluding to uh, with Chipper Jones, who's already been a guest on the podcast, Derek Jeter and Michael Young, who is next week's guest, was really, really, really good. Michael Young's one of the best. I loved Michael Young with the uh, Texas Rangers. Enjoy the baseball. Baseball! Thank you, Darren. <laughs> you got it. See you guys. All right. And listen to his podcast. Support the people that support us around here. Yeah. A lot of stuff going on here. You could tweet us at Sports Up Try It if you'd like. 336-777-1600 is the phone number if you want in on today's show. Robert's still just chatting along with Darren Vaught, not paying attention to the show that's going on right now.
we got to take it to the house that we're going to do in 10 minutes. I am really excited about baseball tonight. We do have football for, I think, the seventh straight day. Make it the eighth straight day. We've had a full week of, uh, of football games. Last night it was Coastal in Louisiana. That was a really fun game. Rank Coastal. On Tuesday, we had NFL football. Monday, we had NFL football. Sunday, we had NFL football. Last Thursday, we had NFL football. College football on Friday and Saturday. Is there a day of the week you least enjoy watching football? Like what day of the week would you do you not want football on your television? Mm, that's a good question. I say Tuesday. I, I don't want I don't want football on Tuesday. I just have football on Sunday and Monday. Give me the night off so I can watch The Bachelorette. See, I, I was going to say Wednesday because that's the night I actually watch live television. But, yeah, I agree with the format of that. Why would I want to – like, I don't know because I can eat Mexican like three days in a row. What is the worst day of the week? Oh, definitely. I, in my opinion, it's Tuesday. Yeah, I, there's nothing redeeming about Tuesday. Monday, it's kind of like, oh, you're back at work. We get to talk about the stuff that happened See, over the weekend. See, our job, Monday's great. Easiest day of For the week. For some people, we, most jobs, they hate Monday. I don't want to go back to work. Oh my gosh, I'm still hungover. Our job, we're on in the afternoon, and we're talking about what happened in sports over the weekend. It is hot. Of everything. Yeah. And Tuesday is kind of like... Yeah, it's the leftovers <laughs> yeah. from what happened over the weekend. Uh, I didn't get to it yesterday. Uh, did you see Andy but it wasn't as good. It wasn't as good as the stuff that we had on Monday. Let's just reheat this. I do love leftovers, though. Are you not a leftovers fan? It depends what we're talking about. I saw you debating whether Caesar salad dressing keeps in a. Oh yeah, <laughs> I found I had Caesar dressing in my in my fridge. That's clearly been there since like February. Nice. And some places said, "Oh, it's you don't want to have that after six six to eight weeks." Yeah. And then I saw another website that said, "Oh." Six to nine months or nine to 12 months, it's good. And I didn't feel good about the differing viewpoints on this subject. They're, those are pretty wide apart. So did you end up trying it or not? No, See, I didn't. It's I, still in my fridge, though. I didn't throw it out either. There's a golden rule with that is like, how long is too long to keep this? If you're scared to taste it to see if it still tastes good, don't eat it. It is a good idea that I didn't consider. I didn't even sniff it. Mm, ah see so the sniff test but then again what makes up i looked at the ingredients for caesar dressing did you know sardines were in it right which is like uh do i want that it's been there for since february yeah in my belly i don't know see my dad uses the smell test for all kind of stuff he's like oh if you if it you smell it and it smells bad then don't eat it but i'm like he does that for meat like Meat does not smell good whether it's fresh or not. I've never smelled a steak or chicken and been like, oh, yeah, raw, nice and good. But if it was bad-smelling meat, you would know is his theory, but I'm here to if say— If it's cooked, I agree with you that it's less of a smell check for meat that isn't cooked. It's more of how does it look. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but for for meat that already has been cooked, we're talking about reheating stuff here and leftovers. The smell is important for sure. 
for sure. If for you, meat. If you had to choose your Hall of Fame leftover dish, wow. I'm, I'm going to go cliche and say meatloaf. And a close, We had meatloaf for dinner last night. Meatloaf is fantastic. It, the second day, third day even. But a close second to that for me is Italian food. I feel like I was going to say spaghetti. It, spaghetti is a really good leftover food. Because once three three six seven 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 one six hundred. I have no problem closing the show with this. Three three six seven 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 one six hundred. What is the best leftover food? Wow. And see if we're talking burgers deliver. Burgers do deliver. I think if you can actually, part of me thinks. You get a different type of experience with the leftover burger that isn't necessarily worse. It's just different. Totally. Than you do with the grilled burger the day before. And see, I'm weird. When it comes to burgers, I never put cheese on them until I'm going to eat them. So I'll have a bunch of no cheese burgers. That is burgers incredibly weird. Because if you wait, if you, or if you put cheese on all of them and then you eat them the next day and you reheat it, then you're dealing with a bunch of reheated cheeseburgers. That is that- a really strange thing because. I would not put cheese on a burger that I'm then reheating. I, I put the cheese on beforehand. I went through a good stretch when I wasn't a cheeseburger guy. I was more hamburger, but I'm back on the cheeseburger train. Let's go to John in Winston-Salem. We could blow through these calls. John, tell me the best leftover food. Oh, day, it has to be beef. I've never, I've never had leftover pizza. I've never had pizza that was a day later that wasn't good. Do toppings matter? Yes, the toppings do matter. What's the best reheatable leftover pizza item or type of pizza? Uh, it has to be pepperoni or either sausage. It can't be chicken. It can't be ham. It can't be none of that. That's well said, John. That's excellent. There is the expression. Thank you for the call. Very important stuff there. Cold pizza, it's good. It used to be that show before it was first take called Cold Pizza. Let's go to Jeremy in Burlington. Jeremy, what's the best leftover food? Pizza. I mean, I know the guy in front of me said it, but yeah, pizza is the best one. You you can eat it cold. You can eat it hot. Um, it's it really never goes bad. You can leave it in there. I've had pizza in a fridge for about four days, and it's still heated up fine. What? type of topping is preferable oh man classic pepperoni or cheese man okay thank you jeremy see i've had pizza that has not been refrigerated has literally been left in in the box frat-esque houses (laughs) on the table for days and i have eaten that pizza (laughs) i i and hold up i had a leftover pizza last week it's probably still I said, in the fridge. You didn't grab it? I did not grab it. It's still in our work fridge? Probably, unless the lawyer's office threw it out. Are you a cold pizza guy or warm pizza guy? I hate cold pizza. I love it. I love cold pizza. Not me. Next you're going to tell me you love sofa pizza. To bleep off with all that. Pizza's a weird thing. I don't put it ahead of burgers, I'm sorry. Or spaghetti. Let's go to Michael and Winston-Salem. This is the last one we got here. Michael... Best leftover food is what? You got to roll chili, and you can freeze it, and it still comes back, and it's still delicious. But I have what? an important public... <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. I have an important service announcement for both of you, though. What's that? I'm glad you haven't encountered this. The only reason you don't think there's a sniff test for bad meat is you've never smelled bad meat. You get some chicken in there that's been sitting for, you know, four, five, six days, not pleasant. 
Nice. You're talking about in the refrigerator or outside the fridge? Oh, even in the fridge. Yeah, okay. it'll, it'll go bad in the refrigerator if you leave it too long. Okay, thank you for the call. Good Smart, PSA right? there. I've had situations where I'll get like a Blue Apron box and sometimes the the chicken could be well hidden or the meat could be well hidden. And I'm like, what is that smell? And you look in the box, oh, <laughs> oh, left that in there. It's not great. Warning, the following program may be dangerous to your health. Please consult a physician before listening. Nancy Boy. This is The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. I'm pretty conflicted about the right approach at points when it comes to talking about sports on this station. On this show, my name's on the show. I obviously see there are things going on that are very important. Early voting, we can all agree. Hey, get out and vote. Do your public uh, service. Uh, what you owe your community, get out and vote if you get the opportunity. See a lot of people are doing that. And, you know, there's everything going on with COVID-19, which, of course, is affecting sports with games getting postponed, like LSU, Florida. Georgia, Alabama is still on after Greg Byrne, the Alabama AD, and Nick Saban tested positive for COVID. But I feel like a lot of you go to this platform to get away from politics and get away from all the stuff that's swirling around with COVID that's really unknown, things that we don't really know a lot about. So we try very hard to give you the escape because I know that's something that matters to you sitting in your car. It's something that we treat very delicate, uh, delicately, something we treat very seriously here. Me and Robert, we discuss these things time to time again figuring out what the right path is, and there is no handbook for what exactly is right. You just kind of got to do what's best for you. So talking about COVID, I hear the doom and gloom stuff just constantly. And I don't know if it's just the optimist in me or somebody who looks at things in a different way, but with the NFL, I don't see a losing scenario when it comes to COVID. The NFL, in my mind, is in only win-win situations. Robert, have you ever seen the stand-up of Aziz Ansari? Which one? The Netflix special? He's had a number of Netflix specials, but he loves talking about rappers. He's had experiences with Kanye West, with 50 Cent. He has a number of stories that he tells. He's been in music videos as well, but one that sticks out to me is the story he told about Jay-Z. I don't know if you remember this, but he viewed Jay-Z as somebody who could never do something that's uncool. Everything he does is cool, and he can't help it because he's Jay-Z. He's the type of guy... I think the joke that he made was that, and I'm going to butcher it, and I'm sorry, is that Jay-Z is the type of guy who could never slip on a banana peel. Like, if he was beginning to slip on a banana peel, he would just slide and then put his hands up saying, whoa, thanks, banana peel, for getting me closer to where I needed to go quicker. He's that type of guy. If a mustard squirt was about to fall on his shirt from a hot dog that he was eating courtside at a nick or neck game, 
a hot dog would just magically appear right where the mustard's about to hit on his shirt, and it would go womp, 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 and be perfectly on the hot dog. That's how cool Jay-Z is. That's the way I feel about the NFL. The NFL's had to move all these games. We got multiple Monday night games. The Bills had to play on Tuesday against the Titans. Some people were freaking out. But the NFL, I don't know if everybody realizes this. The NFL is the most valuable piece of TV programming in America. Sports is generally niche, but when it comes to the NFL, there's no valuable piece of live programming. We've proven over the last decade, we will not sit through commercials for many things. We won't. Everything's gone to Netflix and Hulu and HBO on demand. Everything's there on Amazon, apps all over the place. The NFL is one of the last places we will watch it live. That's it. We'll watch it live. We'll sit through the commercials. <laughs> That's why they're going to pay Tony Romo $17 million to be a color analyst each year at CBS. That's why they're going to pay $100 million per, per Monday night football game at ESPN. It is the most valuable piece of live programming. 47 of the 50 top shows last year in America, top programs, were NFL football games. That's power. Whatever day. On whatever month they decide to play, that's going to get ratings. Like, I didn't see what the Bills Tuesday night rating was, but I bet you it dwarfed everything else. Like, if they were playing tonight, Robert, you'd be watching, I'd be watching Wednesday night. You'd be watching, I'd be watching. It doesn't matter. They're the kings of the jungle. They could do whatever they want, and we're going to watch. They could push things back. It'll be fine mid, mid-February mid Super Bowl. Is that going to affect the ratings of the Super Bowl? I don't think so. They truly, in the NFL, have endless resources. David Tepper, for the Panthers, for example, is worth $13 billion. 13 bills. That's enough to just throw chump change of $250,000 to get two. COVID-killing robots in Bank of America Stadium that Robert is still petrified of. Hell no. I haven't heard anything about those robots after the first home game. That's exactly what they want. That's what they want. They don't want you to hear anything about it until it's too late. (laughs) They can test every single day. They have these things, these contact tracing things on their wrists to show who they've been close to for a... Uh, a 15-minute stretch of time. It's amazing the resources that they have. Plus, everybody has a vested interest to make sure these games happen. In college, they're not getting paid. There are university gate gatekeepers who have consciences. Hey, we can't have these amateurs, air quotes, playing when students aren't on campus or when things get really bad. If they get worse. In the NFL, these players want to make the salaries. The TV networks that fund those salaries want to have the games. And of course, the owners want to make all that money too. So everybody has a vested interest to make sure it gets done, unlike college sports. 
And the Panthers, it seems like, are they're going to get through this scare that they've had this week. Knock on wood. The Atlanta Falcons had another positive test today. It wasn't a player. It was an assistant coach. They shut down their facilities out of precautionary measures. The Panthers are one of the few teams in the NFL that have not had one positive test among a player. I don't even know if anybody on the staff has had a positive test. Nobody's gone on the COVID reserve list with Carolina. The, the, the Bears, who the Panthers are playing, they had to alter practice on Monday, but I understand that was also a precautionary measure. They've had extra time to prepare for Carolina because they played last Thursday night. They played a week ago. Everybody has a vested interest. So the NFL, it can't lose when it comes to COVID. I can't in good conscience do the, the doom and gloom show talking about COVID in the NFL. I can't do it because I don't believe it. I believe COVID's very serious, of course. I'm wearing my mask all across the studio today. But we got to learn to coexist with the virus. We do. Because we've already done so much. I hope people realize that. It doesn't get talked about enough. But over the last eight months, we've done a lot. You don't hear people saying we need to flatten the curve anymore, for instance. We never got to a point like in Italy where they couldn't, they, they didn't have enough hospital beds for people. So we've done good things, and we're going to continue to figure this thing out. we got to learn to coexist with it. And the NFL, they're in the best position. I worry more about college than I worry about the NFL. The NFL is in a position where they cannot lose moving forward. This is very positive, Robert. So to just steer into the skid, isn't that what they encourage you to do when you're driving on an icy road? To steer into the skid versus trying to go the other direction? Yeah, lean into it. That's right, lean into it. We're going to do weekly positivity. Weekly positivity is the time where you just tell us good things that have happened to you this week. Just what's good. Hey, Robert. What's up, dude? I've had a really good week. It's the start of sweater weather. Have you noticed this? Oh, I have. It's the best month of the year. Weather-wise, I love October. I'm a fall guy. Not to be confused with being a fall guy in a group, but I just mean like the season fall. You know what I'm talking about. It's my favorite month of the year because I get to wear sweaters and wear my suit jackets and pullover sweaters. Oh my gosh. I've got, it's my best wardrobe that I have. Really excited about it. 336-777-1600 if you want to tell us something good that's happening to you right now on Twitter. At Sports Hub Triad, that's a good way to do it as well. I'll tell you another thing that's pretty good right now, Robert. I've had, uh, I've made a habit of starting to walk in the mornings. I'm not a morning person, but I've been walking for 30 minutes each morning and I feel a lot better. Closing out my rings a lot easier on my Apple Watch. So that's pretty good. Tyler in Greensboro. Tell me something good in weekly positivity. Hello, Joshua. Hey, Tyler. Earlier earlier this week, I was able to educate my boss 
on sports broadcasting. I was talking about the color man in a sports broadcast booth, and she thought I was being racist. But in reality, it's just sports broadcasting. I was able to educate her. How was that conversation? When did you realize that conversation was going to a place where you had to be careful? Immediately, Joshua. Immediately. Would you like to uh, tell us what her question was? His or her question? She said, and I quote, Tyler, I'm not comfortable with your conversation right now. And I said, no, don't feel uncomfortable. It's simply sports broadcasting. That's fantastic, Tyler. Thank you for the call. That makes me feel better. Let's go to Joey in Thomasville. Joey in Thomasville, tell me something good. Hey, Josh. Hey, Joey. It's such wonderful to share this wonderful news. Oh, what's that? I am going to be a grandfather for the second time. Yeah! In February, and it will be my very first granddaughter. Oh. I have a grandson, and I cannot wait to hold that little bundle of jewelry that in is, my arms. That is fantastic. Are you going to, how much time is grandpa going to get? Like, I mean, hey, do you get weekends, maybe two or three times a week while they're working? Papa doesn't get near the time that he wants. They live in Charlotte. Okay. But they do come and spend the day with us often, and we go to Charlotte and spend the day with them often. But Papa gets a lot of time. Well, thank Never you. as much as he wants, but a lot of time. Thank you so much for the call, Joey. That makes me happy. Appreciate that. That's Joey in Thomasville. Robert, I have about 30 seconds. Tell me something good. That's a good papa right there. I like that. That is a good papa. Uh, I had some downtime this week, and I have been tossing the idea around of getting another cat. And, wow! And you're going to be a crazy cat person. I'm going to be a crazy cat person. I, I, that's not for sure yet. I looked at some cats at the Humane Society, and they looked pretty good. So I'm going to keep weighing the options out, talk with Winston, see what he suggests, and we'll get back to it. And that is Weekly Positivity. Listening to WSJS Winston Town, WCOG Greensboro, WPCM Burlington, WMFR High Point. Those signals make up Sports Up Triad.